Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans. Shout out to the Bird Gang. Welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us tonight, my name is Blake Allen Murphy, the co-host, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Venerable John Venerable, uh, who's, you know, had a fun time getting moved out this week, at least for the most part. So uh, how are you doing now, John, in Oregon? I'm doing well. I'm finally here on the West Coast after growing up in Chicago. I'm happy to be here on the Pacific time zone. Uh, it's weird because we record this podcast and usually I'm the one at late at night and Blake's a couple hours before me. I'm actually earlier than Blake when we record this, which is a weird feeling. I'm one hour in front of Phoenix time. Uh, what is that? Mountain time, Blake? I think it's considered... Are you mountain time? Yep, we're mountain time. We're, Arizona's that one weird state that just does not listen to anyone with daylight savings time. We just <laughs> yeah. don't accept the rules. Uh, I think there's a thing, though, because there's some, um, I think there are Native American communities that still do. So you can theoretically drive from one side of the state to the other. The time changes like seven times or something like that. So uh, anyway, fun, fa- fun fact, at least for those of you. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah, those of you who are tuning in for a football podcast, like what, what are they talking about here at time zones in here? But yeah. <laughs> So let's go ahead it's and nice to record this at eight o'clock at night, not 10 or 11. <laughs> yeah. Long story short for that. A lot of you will be listening to this, I believe on a Friday morning. So uh, yeah. nothing to do with it, but let's go ahead and let's talk some football because last week was our big, you know, cards got cliff show the huge breakdown of what it means for the Cardinals to get a young offensive, innovative mind, a play caller. And John, we kind of took it even one step further about how with cliff was a guy who a lot of NFL teams were stealing things from in college Cardinals, some people said he should have been an offensive coordinator. Cardinals went, well, I think that we even discussed about this. If you added him to a Steve Welks at the OC, you lose him in a year. Cardinals decided to kind of skip the whole, give him a year of experience type thing, go straight for the jugular and adding him, John. And just to kind of recap some of your thoughts on that before we dive into breaking down this coaching staff and the rest of the things going on in the NFL around this show, a little bit more time to marinate on it. Some more thoughts, at least on Cliff Kingsbury here with the Arizona Cardinals. I love it. I love the move. Um, I love it more now that I've, I'm seeing his staff start to take form. Um, and that was a big question mark with Cliff. Could he put together a quality staff? We'll get into his um, current staff as it stands tonight on January 17th, but it, it is impressive. But as, as far as Cliff goes, um, he's somebody again, who is such an innovative offensive mind. And you look at the landscape of the NFL today and how it is so offensively dominated. Uh, the final four teams in the, in the NFL playoffs right now, are the top four scoring offenses. And historically these teams like the Patriots, like the saints, now the chiefs, now the Rams put up a lot of points and they're consistently in the postseason. They're consistently contending for Super Bowl titles. If you don't think Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City is going to be viable every year, defense or not, you're, you're a crazy person. The, the LA Rams are, you know, on fire since Sean McVay got on board and they've been spotty up and down defensively. And then you look at what the Bears did, making that jump this year with Matt Nagy. Their defense was great, but it was the offense that took the next step, in my opinion. They had a good defense last year. Um, so I could go over countless examples, but the general point is offense rules in today's NFL and the Cardinals were historically poor offensively last year. So it makes sense to do, try to do a complete 180. And that 180 is by the name of Cliff Kingsbury. Again, he's somebody that I think gets a misconception on him based on his appearance, based on his background. But listen, 
Would you rather have Cliff Kingsbury, who's been a head coach at the college level, who's called plays, right? Who's, who's commanded a locker room. Or would you rather have some of these other coaches that are getting fired that have never consistently called plays or have done it for one or two years, mm-hmm. like Matt LaFleur, who's, who Matt LaFleur has never, I like Matt LaFleur. He's never been a head coach before. He's been a one year, basically one year default coordinator in Tennessee. I know he was the quote unquote coordinator of the LA Rams two years ago, but he wouldn't call him plays. That's why he went to Tennessee, mm-hmm. right? I want Cliff Kingsbury, who's called plays, who's produced offense everywhere he's went. He has head coaching experience. And now he's put in a position where, say what you want about Steve Kime, Steve Kime's going to handle the defense, draft-wise and coaching-wise. He's going to make sure that the defensive staff is put in place, and he's already got that ball rolling, and we'll talk about that. He's making sure, okay, okay, Cliff, your number one priority is the offense, is Josh Rosen, and team morale and what what that has to do with commanding the locker room in the nfl but if you're if you're scoring points you're putting up points you're going to gain the respect of those guys if you're producing on your side of the ball you're going to you're going to earn the respect of those guys i i think today in today's nfl you either have to be a savant on offense or defense as a coach as a specialty coach i'd agree or or i think you're kind of a dinosaur and you know say what you want about john harbaugh I think he's a little bit overrated. Doesn't call either side of the ball, right? Mike Tomlin has all that talent in Pittsburgh, and they didn't make the playoffs this year. What's what's his specialty? What does he really bring to the table? I know he manages a lot of big egos, but he doesn't call plays, and he doesn't and he doesn't control the defense, right? And they've been spotty up and down. One week they're great offensively, one week they're great defensively. I mean, they're not consistent, at least with Cliff Kingsbury. You know for a fact that, that you're gonna get, if you get his best, his best is going to be what the NFL demands now, and that's mm-hmm. points. And I think that's, that's such a smart, savvy way to go for this franchise. I wish they would have gone this route last year, Blake. We've talked about it. You and I both thought, even with the uncertainty of quarterback, get an offensive coach because maybe they can elevate a later-round quarterback. Maybe they can elevate a free-agent quarterback. They win defense. They win defense, and they picked a guy who was going to switch their personnel on defense, switch their scheme, I should say, and then had one of the worst off seasons offensively that parlayed into the worst, one of the worst in-season offensive performances I think we've ever seen. Certainly, the, I think, the worst in, in Cardinal franchise history. So bringing that back around to Cliff and what he brings to the table, at the end of the day, this is about Josh Rosen. We know that. I think Cliff... It's an, I don't know if it's an indictment on, on Sam Darnold, but he picked the Arizona Cardinals because he, they had Josh Rosen. He didn't pick the Arizona Cardinals for any other reason other than, in my opinion, Josh Rosen, because as a head coach, you're tied to your quarterback. Yeah, he's got secondary reasons. Reason, yep. Yep. He's got secondary reasons. He, he may want to coach in Arizona, the weather, you know, the close to his home in Texas, whatever you want to put out there. Yeah. They got some nice pieces defensively, but he, I, in my opinion, he picked this job because he believes in Josh Rosen as a franchise quarterback. I know a lot of people may not believe that. I, that's just my opinion. Sam Darnold finished the year, had a hell of a finish in, in his, you know, last couple of games in, in New York. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. He didn't want that job. He met with the jets. He said, no, I'm going to pass. I'm going to Arizona. I got probably paid 
very similar to what the Jets were offering him. The, Jet, the New York Jets wanted Cliff Kingsbury for their head coaching job, and he said, yeah. I'm going to go work with Josh Rosen. That just tells me everything I need to know about the future of this franchise, and it's tied to those two gentlemen along with, along with Steve Kahn. Yeah, and what's interesting also about Cliff was, I think uh, it was even Mike Florio pointed this out with Pro Football Talk, was there's only really two teams that had the competition for the same coach. You look at the uh, the Bengals, at least right now, their job is vacant. That's going to go to Zach Taylor. Browns went and hired Freddie Kitchens. Big Fangio only really interviewed with the Broncos. Um, Matt LaFleur with the Packers. There's a couple of guys who had different interviews, such as Adam Gase. And I know we can talk about that as far as with Gase and how that press conference went. But you're, you're right. It was basically the Jets and the Cardinals are both going after Kingsbury and the Cardinals ended up getting him, which <laughs> someone even joked and said it's the first time that Josh Rosen and his team has basically beaten Sam Darnold and his team, which I thought was really funny considering the collegiate relationship and how USC has always just been so much better than UCLA. Um, but you're totally right. This is the rules that changed in the NFL changed effectively and ending in 2017, going into 2018, the Cardinals went and hired a coach who was a leader of men, not a schemer or innovator. I think that's where the key is for the best NFL head coaches. You have to have both. You can't just be a complete offensive guru who's just going to be railing against the players because that's how you're going to get the Todd Haley in Kansas City type situations. You've got to be able to bring something to the table as far as with the leadership and work ethic. I think that's part of with you know with the good looks. A lot of people, there's even jokes about with schmoozing at Old Town Scottsdale. But Cliff, is, as you said, is known as a hard worker. I think he even sent out a whole tweet about the military involvement with his family. But the biggest yeah, thing... Yeah, he's got a military... His family's got a military background. His father was... Uh, has strong ties to the military. If you think he got, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's why he's driven today, Blake. That's why he puts in the hours he, he does. He's not, he's not a soft coach by any means. Yeah. And then the fact is when you look at what the Cardinals had to offer, some people were, I know, bashing the hire because it's, he's a college coach, never has coached in the NFL. This is just kind of going outside of the norm. You look at the options that were there with who was hired this year. And it was very few because Pete Verlin was hunting for the offensive guy. So either you're having to get a defensive guy, which right now there's only two guys who've been hired defensively, Vic Fangio. And we believe that it's going to be um, Brian Flores, the Patriots defensive coordinator hired for the Miami Dolphins. Their OCs are right now are, uh, they've got basically the guy who was going to be the heading it up and Gary Kubiak was let go. You're going to be seeing Mike Munchak take over that very much a run the football ball control type of guy. You look in Miami, it's Jim Caldwell, a guy who's been similar, said some quarterback development, but it's probably going to be one of those similar run the football type of teams in Miami too, because they, they don't have a quarterback right now since they're going to be moving on from Ryan Tannehill. It looks like the Cardinals would have been in a very similar situation to what it would have been last year. And for all the talk about, Hey, we'll go with Vic Fangio because he can build together and put together a staff. Well, you're looking at the Cardinals staff compared with what the, with, you know, Vic Fangio's choice of OC and everything. You're like, okay, this is very, very different. So I think that the Cardinals, you know, you should be giving them at least props for, you know, we, we've used the same kind of term again and again, and I've seen, hey, Cardinals are swinging for the fences. They're hitting a home run. They may strike out if that is the case with this hire, but they did something outside the box. They did something trying to say, hey, we were behind the curve by a year. Let's go instead of waiting for Cliff Kingsbury or, hey, we hired him as our OC. Awesome. Now, great. He's leaving us in the year. We're behind the curve again. Let's jump ahead for that curve, give a bit of time, and try to be one of these teams that's an innovators and being able to use that as your strength. And I think that for me with considering the guys that they have been bringing in 
I think that they're going to, I think that they've got a really good shot of making a lot's going to hinge on how the adjustment is made in the NFL from this idea of the spread and the air raid, or I guess the Cliffs Creek, as I, I think I can call it, because it's not really a true air raid. I think that a lot of it is that they are seem to be very primed for success. And some of it does hinge on the fact that we've bashed him a lot. We've kind of pushed him uh, around quite a bit from how things have gone throughout the years with the hirings, with the draft picks. But a lot of this right now seems to be that it's fallen on Steve Kime and his team, because this isn't just Cliff's relationships anymore. The guys Cliff knows this is Steve Kime utilizing his connections, the interview skills, trying to find guys who fit. And so far they seem to be doing at least on paper, a pretty good job. So let's go and jump into kind of the biggest name that came off the page. The first guy who was really ultimately mentioned, at least besides the wide receivers coach, was the defensive coordinators. And eventually the team settled on defensive coordinator Vance Joseph, former head coach from the Broncos, not a longtime head coach like you had seen with a Chuck Pagano. Uh, he was a one-year defensive coordinator truly in Miami, but he's had almost 20 years of coaching experience in the National Football League. Uh, and came off of a very impressive Denver defense. So this was the guy that the Cardinals wanted. He was the guy who ran the 3-4, gets them back to what they're looking for. I've got some more I can share at least on that. But, John, your instant reaction when you heard that Vance Joseph was hired compared to the other names that were out there for the Cards. I love it. I love it. I thought it was a, a slam dunk hire. I thought that he was going to be in demand, and he was. Several other teams uh, including the aforementioned Jets, were trying to lure Vance Joseph onto their staff. Um, and he chose Arizona. The Cardinals, I think, paid probably a premium for a guy, I think, that is going to come super motivated to Arizona after really kind of a public shaming by John Elway coming out and saying, I, I should have just never hired Vance Joseph. Um, and that's true. You can say that. He didn't have a lot of success. The team wasn't terrible. I think they won seven games this year. And they have pretty incompetent quarterback play the last couple of years and they've been at least competitive they put a shellacking if you don't remember on the Arizona Cardinals on that 30 night or on that Thursday yeah. night game I believe it was 45 to 10 but they were if you don't remember 13th in points this year Blake with all that going on him losing his position they only allowed 21.8 points per game this year in a super competitive AFC West with the Chiefs and the Chargers that to me I mean, they were, I'm looking at the statistics now, they were one point away from being a top five defense. Yeah. If they had surrendered just one point less this year, uh, on average, they would have been a top five defense. And yes, they have Von Miller, they've got Bradley Chubb. Those guys produce. You should see what Vance Joseph was able to get out of Bradley Chubb in year one. Oh, yeah. And if you're not salivating over the thought of Vance Joseph being able to mentor and tutor somebody like Nick Bosa, I mean on top of having Chandler Jones at his disposal. And here's another thing to keep in mind with this Denver defense. Who did the Denver Broncos trade for this year? It didn't work out, but who did they trade for at linebacker to implement in their three, four sewer Cravens, who is very similar and is a kind of a poor man's day on Buchanan. That should tell you everything you need to know about where this defense is going to return to. It's going to return hopefully to the days of the Todd Bowles defense. Look beyond the statistics, dive into the numbers a little bit, look at their point totals per game, go into each game individually. Anybody that watched that team knows they were dragged down by a poor offense, by poor quarterback play, by bad receiver and, and, play. And, and individual in-game decisions that you saw by Vance Joseph. Some of those were even on the defensive side, but when you're the head coach 
Sometimes you can, and that's what will be interesting, I think, with some of that is how much of that may play in versus how much of that is, hey, I'm the head coach knowing we've got to run this on offense in these areas. It, was not, it wasn't quite like he was as in over his head as Steve Wilkes, but there were some questions. Oh, not even close. There. And I think that's what's been fascinating is, is that some of those may follow in, but the pluses that you got also on the defensive side – you know, we got to see it as Cardinals fans. They basically just lit up the Cardinals, completely destroyed. Oh, it wasn't even close. we're still going at least at the very end. So what I'm most excited for, you had mentioned Chandler Jones. I think that we haven't talked about this as much, but Chandler is excited to go back to the 3-4. And the fact that he's going to be standing yeah. up, he's a 17 and a half sack guy going into it without, you know, I think that was even the season he got that last year. He didn't have Marcus Golden on the other side to draw attention. He's going back to that where he was, went from this year from a – you know, elite, like top of the line player at his position as a three, four outside linebacker to a 12 sack, great defensive end. So that's the thing is that if you get a boost out of Chandler Jones, that way, then you're adding another kind of pass rusher opposite of him. That seems to be the best model of success for Vance Joseph. Now there's a lot of questions we still have of what's going to happen with the defensive backs outside of Patrick Peterson, Buda Baker, and now DJ Swearinger. What's going to be going on with their linebacker core. You're assuming that Josh Bynes, I've, I've seen most people it's been interesting have on the, whether it's the media or whether it's the, even the team site itself is more mentioned. Dale Buchanan and Hassan Reddick are kind of ignoring the fact that Josh Bynes was a very productive. Uh, he wasn't the best in coverage this year, as far as for like, you know, consistency's sake, but very productive yep. in linebacker for the most part, where even if the Cardinals do lose Buchanan, I don't know if they're going to end up necessarily entering into this year saying, Oh, we've got a wide open gaping hole at the inside linebacker position, considering the steps four that Hassan Reddick was able to take. So maybe you're not as bad off as you think you were a linebacker and it's going to come down to just these defensive backs being able to get back into the press man coverage well i think it also depends on what what you're looking at up front on the defensive line and who returns and who you're able to add in the offseason in the draft if you're able to secure let's say a sheldon richardson who i think is the prototypical three four defensive end that can clog up space and also rush the passer do you have a true Three, four nose tackle on the roster. Can Corey Peters fill that role? Probably. Does Robert Kimbichi fit into this defense now? It's. I think it's a huge question mark going into to this spring, Blake, in, in this offseason. But I know for certain that I think the Cardinals could have a very competent linebacking core. If you're talking about Chandler Jones, Nick Bosa, if Hassan Reddick can ever figure it out defensively and even be a solid starter. And then you're right, Blake, you've got some choices. Bynes is going to be interesting because he's coming off an injury. He's got a cap hit this year on his last year of his contract that you could easily get, you know, you could easily cut him and save a little bit of money. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's a hand injury. And after how he played last year, I, yeah, I would have a problem saying He's probably a starter right now, especially considering Dale Buchanan is still an unrestricted free agent. We'll see how that market for yeah. him shakes out. It's going to be fascinating. Don't forget, they like they like Zeke Turner, too. And he was an undrafted kid from Washington. Um, I know he didn't play very much because I think I believe he went on injured reserve. Uh, is what, Did he go on IR? I don't, um, I'm checking. I don't believe he did. I think he was hurt for a while, but he was mostly their special teams ace. That yeah. they, I think man. they want to see what he can do it linebacker safety yeah, hybrid he, i mean he's he this year i believe for the uh prof- pro football writers of america Authentic. that's right yeah. yeah he he was a very very solid he was actually like buddha baker's essentially kind of 
partner as a strong mm-hmm. safety in college. Wasn't quite the athlete, but he and Dennis Gardeck were very strong uh, special teams players overall this year. And that's something mm-hmm. we can obviously touch into is just the special teams. But before we go on to the, like, the rest of the coaching staff and look at with Vance, I did want to share some info that I was getting at least as far as what the Broncos, what might the scheme look like, at least what it was run in Denver Uh, was a lot of uh, a play called press man cover zero is what I was told where you'll end up seeing not as much blitzing for the most part. You'll see them bring four or five guys. Some plays they will see seven defenders will blitz and four guys will play man coverage if they do bring one. Uh, But for the most part, at least it's you'll press and then you'll bring four or five guys. You're not going to end up having to see a ton of blitzing with what we were used to with Todd Bowles, ton of blitzing, what we would see sometimes even with, uh, even with the Steve Wilkes defense, it'd be a ton of blitzing. The problem was with the blitzes was that they were, it was difficult. They never got home. Yeah. They weren't getting home for that one. When they were getting home for a lot of times, there were other options. And because it was a zone coverage, you would end up seeing either the blitz get picked up because that's what happens when you've got misdirection. When you have guys who need to kind of cover the different parts of the zone, someone gets exposed or you would see where guys would just get beat because that was just how Arizona was in the end where they still had not been able to find a guy opposite of Patrick Peterson. And, or you would even see worse of all, you would bring home guys who would blitz and the teams would end up running nothing get upfield and kind of run a draw play and Arizona just would not be able to contain as well. So I do think that that's going to be interesting to see because what it feels like for the Cardinals is that if they are going to go to this type of a thing under Vance Joseph, if they bring in their second kind of, you know, key pass rush contributor next to Chandler Jones, you probably aren't going to end up needing to honestly send the six or seven guys like the Todd Bowles defense. You're going to be having press man corners. You'll be kind of getting back to some of what you saw with Todd Bowles, but you'll be having a very specific type of guy you'll be drafting. And that's, what's going to be very fascinating. The one thing I would at least compare that was interesting that I was given some info on from, uh, from, from some of the, uh, the Bronco from one of the Bronco sources that I, I really trust was that, uh, Vance was basically, for the most part, the defensive guy there. He was the guy who was still in charge of running the Broncos defense. It wasn't like it was a Holcomb running the situation just in Welk's scheme. Is it take a look overall at Vance Joseph uh, versus their DB's coach, uh, well, excuse me, the, uh, the former DB's coach, current defensive coordinator for the Broncos as of 2018, Joe Woods, who I believe has now been hired by the Niners to be their passing game coordinator. Look at the first half of the Kansas City Chiefs game. Essentially, that was Vance calling the game. Second half of the game, they handed it off essentially to the defensive coordinator and the Chiefs just came back in a storm, scored 14 points in the second half. That to me was fascinating because that was kind of the first evidence we saw of, wow, someone slowed down Patrick Mahomes. The second example, of course, was Arizona with their defense. But it was fascinating that that was kind of how some of the areas were in Denver. And it's like, why was that handed off? Was it just a decision to be able to make? Was it the coach trying to move things on? It was just interesting to see exactly how that worked because there's a lot of Broncos guys that already are kind of joining Vance Joseph in the It'll be interesting to see at least how this 3-4 transition kind of takes place for Arizona. Since I, I think that it is going to see the defense jump up and improve maybe almost right away, not just because of putting guys back in the proper roles, but also because it seems like the, with Vance going back to this D.C. sense and just the fact that he was probably the best guy available on the market, Cardinals are going to be taking a step forward. They finally got their defensive guy who can handle, control the defense. He's been a head coach before. This kind of seemed like it was almost a perfect match for a lot of the cases for Cliff Kingsbury to have as his DC. Yeah, agreed. I, I think it was the best case scenario. I, I know a lot of people floated out Chuck Pagano. I think he would have done a fine job. And boy, now he gets to work with the the super talented Chicago Bear defense. But I also think Cliff Kingsbury 
or excuse me, Vance Joseph looked at the Cardinal defense when compared to, let's say, the Jets defense. And I know the Jets were more competitive than the Cardinals last year, but you look at the pure talent on the Cardinal defense, and I think it's a no-brainer. It's it's more talented than the Jets defense is just on paper. And even Jamal Adams, the the star safety for the Jets, called out their GM and basically said, like, we don't have enough dogs here. We don't have enough. Basically, we don't have enough talent here to win. Whereas the Cardinals, everything you heard nationally. Yeah, nobody expected them to be great, but boy, oh boy, that Cardinal team is underperforming with guys like Buda Baker and Patrick Peterson and Dayom Buchanan and Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden and Corey Peters. I mean, like the Cardinals can field the defense and not have a liability in any position. And they may not be great everywhere, but in my opinion, like they can have solid starters if you bring back guys like Buchanan, guys like Rodney Gunter, who I think should be a priority. And then in the secondary, if you're able to find just one competent corner opposite Patrick Peterson and oh by the way Bradley Roby who played under Vance Joseph in Denver is currently a free agent so keep that in mind um I I think it's I think it's a home run I think it's something that needed to get done quickly it did because now what you're seeing is other other coaching opportunities or excuse me other coaches are starting to kind of bide their time a little bit and they're kind of feeling out the waters of this whole thing but I think this was the most important hire outside of Kingsbury um when you talk about just Kingsbury is just not experienced. He's kind of like the Steve Wilkes with offense. He's just not experienced with defense. And that was his biggest yeah. kind of bugaboo in, um, at Texas tech. I mean, they couldn't stop anybody. Now you want to say that that was the personnel that he had. Those were the kids that, that chose to come to Texas tech who that's not a big time program in the big 12. We've gone over it. Blake, it's, it's mm-hmm. one of the bottom tier programs in terms of, you know, how it's perceived. I mean, it's, it's long been, since, you know, Michael Crabtree was making them a contender. That's been like, you know, upwards of almost 10 years there. It's a kind of a bottom tier program. And he was able to elevate the talent he had offensively. He's just not a defensive guy. And that's okay with me because in the NFL now, it's not about defense. It's about putting up points and you can find quality coaches like Vance Joseph, who just lost his job to come in and elevate your defense. Somebody like Todd Bowles going to, to, to Tampa. You don't think their defense is going to be better. I mean, it just, it takes the right kind of individual. And, you know, I hope that the defense does well enough that Vance Joseph has an opportunity to go and coach somewhere else one day. Hope it's not right away, but I I think that that's kind of, that's kind of the mindset, right? You can go bide your time as a coordinator and maybe get another crack at being a head guy and he's young enough and it could happen, but you're you're never going to lose your head coach now. I mean, knock on wood, unless something's, you know, crazy happens. If, If Cliff has success and this offense is humming, you don't have to worry about, I mean, you could lose a coordinator, your coordinator, and we'll get into this, Blake, isn't calling your plays. You're getting to the point now you want your coordinator to, to do, help develop your quarterback. If your quarterback is humming and your offense is rolling, how, how important is that coordinator? You know, how, how, how important is the coordinator in Kansas City? How important is yeah. the coordinator in L.A.? How important, you know, is the coordinator in New Orleans? Those, those head coaches call the plays. Those head coaches and are their scheme. It's their design. It's, it's basically right. they are in the essence, at least they are the counterpart to whatever the quarterback is, where it's those right. together. It's Peyton and breeze. It's, it's McVay and Goff. It's now Andy Reed and Mahomes. I mean, that's how the, it's McDaniels and uh, Tom Brady the last few yeah, years. That's right. Yep. And, and McDaniels is probably the coach in waiting there, right? He's going to, he's not taking another job. He's the coach in rating. It's Frank Wright and it's Andrew Luck. 
I couldn't name you the defensive coordinator in, in, in Indianapolis. The guy did a hell of a job this year. Uh, Eberflus is the one. And he, yes, he's, he's got the funny name. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He was a guy that some people think maybe gets a head coaching job next year. Their OC at least seems to be like in their first year is, you look, know, because of the turnaround with the lack of talent that they had. Look at, look at the guys who got head jobs as defensive coordinators. And I really want to emphasize this. Vic Fangio, who's been great as a defensive coordinator for like a decade, finally gets a job, right? Yep. And he goes to a place in Denver that doesn't have a franchise quarterback in place that says, okay, we got to win with defense and running the ball. Then Brian Flores, who's been an up-and-coming defensive coordinator, defensive assistant. He worked yeah. under Patricia. He Last year, he had a lot of areas, which is what he was like a scout, an offensive assistant, right. special team assistant. So a lot of people like that. He was getting head coaching interviews last year, Blake. He interviewed with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's, and so defensive guy going where? To Miami, where Tannehill probably won't be back, where they want to play good defense, where the quarterback situation is unknown. No one in their right mind is pairing a defensive coach with a young quarterback that is dead. You are picking, in my opinion, and the Cardinals were in this position last year, the only way you're hiring a defensive head coach is if you don't have a franchise quarterback and you're basically going to say, we need to be competitive, so let's try to win with defense. That's it. And you know what? Good luck doing that in 2019. Yeah, I think that's what we have learned as far as with the NFL is everyone is embracing this new offensive trend. And the downside is it does mean that some people are going to swing and miss while they're trying to go again and get one of these, you know, up and coming young guys. Some teams are going to have like a brand new coach in a few years for that one. It might be the Cardinals are one of those teams. It might be that that's not the case at all. But I think that you're right in that the the fact of where the NFL is going is that it's seeming to at least embrace this whole Madden type of generation. And perhaps it was the owners having to take a look at, you know, watching this Kansas city versus the LA Rams game, at least. And we'll talk about the playoffs, obviously with how that's looking, but it's like, they saw this kind of thing. We're like, Holy crap, this is a revelation. We're behind the times. The biggest concern. I think a lot of people had looked overall with the Cardinals was what's going to be exactly the staff that we're going to see under Cliff Kingsbury because of the different connections that we haven't seen. The fact that they hired Vance Joseph allayed a lot of those different concerns. I think even Ken Summers had even talked about how he's like, Hey, if they hire Kingsbury, like what defensive coordinator is going to be out there and say, Hey, we're going to basically be hiring this young guy who's right out of the college has never coached at the NFL level. And you know, who's going to basically what DC that's in demand would come to Arizona to work for him. And so what we said was Cardinals going to have to pay up. We'll have to give like a lot of defensive responsibility and to their credit, they brought in Vance Joseph and that kind of allayed a lot of that concern. And some of it was interesting because it's not, it's like the, the relationship between Vance has kind of existed when you think of like, you know, the, uh, the Texas tech, a lot of guys would interact with the coaches, obviously when they're on the scouting trail or when they're visiting games, but it wasn't like that there was like a huge relationship of, Oh, Hey, yeah, this is the guy who Cliff has known for years. It seems that there was a lot of, and I guess the keyword that I think the Kyman Bidwell used was humility was the keyword that they were looking for because Cliff admitted straight out. Yeah. I don't know these guys as well. I'm going to have a lot to learn myself. I need to have these connections that's going to be made. It was fascinating because it reminded me of the exact opposite approach that we did get from Steve Wolf kind of saying you guys made the right decision and a little bit of the there was I guess you could say confidence maybe you could even say bravado there but it's been interesting because that is, seems to be the reason why Steve Kime kept his job was hey we need a mistake we need to look in the mirror and make a change seems to be why Cliff Kingsbury seems to be the guy that they went and hired perhaps it's part of the reason why Adam Gase is not currently the Cardinals head coach and he was one of the options and gosh oh my goodness let, let, let's talk even about that press conference that happened where because the Jets right now seem to kind of be the 
laughing stock with the memes that have been sent out with Adam Gase. And I know that was something oh you goodness. got called out on that, John, for uh, as far as for like as the early candidate. And that was before, obviously, Cliff was even kind of an, a serious option for the Cardinals or a lot of NFL teams. But it was just like well, you were like, what is going on here? The Cardinals loved Adam Gase. They loved him. They interviewed him right away. They were the first team to interview him after he lost his job in Miami. And then they had the interview and based on information that I have via other people, it went just okay. And maybe we're seeing why, I mean, like, I, I don't want to insinuate he's got like a, like a drug problem or anything. That's crazy. Yeah, I but like, I wouldn't even say that I'm yeah, some people like, the dots because of one of the Miami's coaches, but it's, it's more of just a spot of when you're like, somebody even said, it looks like you're nervous, paranoid a little bit. And then I thought of the New York media and I'm like, Oh yes, that's right. New York media. Alliance yeah. Day. He's right. here in the headlights a little bit. No, I, I loved Adam Gase on the field. I loved that. He was able to elevate, a bad Miami team to competitiveness. They won seven, no business winning seven games this year in the, what it, what's now become the ultra competitive AFC. He won 10 games his first year with Ryan Tannehill. He elevated Tannehill. He's an offense. He knows offense. He knows quarterbacks. He would have, I think, believe, I, I believe he would have gotten a lot out of Josh Rosen. And I think he would have done a fine job here. And I think he's going to do well in New York, assuming there's nothing else going on there. Um, but clearly the Cardinals had the first crack at him and could have hired him right away. Same with yep. the Jets. The Jets could have hired him right away. Both teams wanted somebody else, that being Cliff Kingsbury. I said this last week. I'll reiterate it again. I believe that the Cardinals would have hired Adam Gaze had they not gotten Cliff Kingsbury, just like the Jets, vice versa. They were going to go with an offensive guy. Um, and so, like, we can laugh at the Jets. That could easily have been the Cardinals, easily. If, if Michael Bidwell had gotten cheap on the contract, if something Steve Kime said would have turned Cliff off, he would have bolted for the Jets, and the Cardinals would have had to hire Adam Gase. And who knows? It might they Gase could be a better coach, and is perceived nationally as a better coach than Kingsbury by far. He's had NFL experience; he's done well. But what is your ceiling? We, you talked about this before, Blake, right. with both of these individuals. And what is your floor? Your floor is definitely higher with Adam Gase. You're not going to have a Steve Wilkes type season. You're not going to have a disaster. You would He's think a disaster. Osweiler, winning with games with Brock Osweiler, right. quarterback, beat the Patriots, and a last minute play. That's right. But what is your ceiling? Your ceiling is probably similar, I think, to what Tom Sula would have given you, which is you make the playoffs as a wild card team and you lose your first round playoff game. And for the Cardinals who've never won a Super Bowl, who have had playoff success this past decade, they want somebody who they believe not only can elevate Josh Rosen, but can get this offense to the point where it is a Super Bowl contending offense. I, I don't think they viewed Adam Gase as, as that individual. And I think that they looked at Kingsbury as a savant offensively and what he was able to do at Texas Tech. And the, the, you, I mean, the statistics are there. Gase's offenses were pretty average in Miami. And I know that that was the they argument. Were a, lot of, third a lot of times in the NFL. Now, yeah, Ryan, they were below the majority of those games. But you still, when you had your one year, your playoff year, you went 10 and six. I believe Tannehill was healthy for him the majority. I mean, they, they beat the Cardinals when the Cardinals had yep. Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald and uh, David Johnson when he was having his MVP type 
season. They went and put, I think, 27 points on James Betcher's defense that day. That was a rainy, stormy day, at least, that they had. That was a sloppy day, sloppy yeah. game of football. But they so, didn't. That was one part about why Gase is the head coach of the Jets and why a lot of Jets fans are at least excited about it is because they've been used to Todd Bowles as far as the guy who's been calling it. And they had a great year with a head with an offensive coordinator who they just couldn't get along with and brought in Jeremy Bates this year. Mm-hmm. Team just not the same, even though the fact that they, I would argue, had more offensive firepower and more offensive weapons, certainly a better offensive line than the Cardinals. And yeah, yeah I think some of it can't be overstated, at least the relationship I think that's been interesting as far as with Kyle and Kingsbury seem to have a lot more of a rapport and the fact that when you look at what the Cardinals have been trying to aim for as far as with the creativity and a lot of those the retreads, I do think that some of the case in the interview, at least, that you're looking at was perhaps it did just come down to the fact of, hey, the Cardinals wanted to have a guy who could come in and fit exactly what they were looking for. And Adam Gase wanted to come in and say, hey, I've been an NFL head coach before. Here's what I would be looking for. And it just just kind of didn't mesh at least with what their plan was and perhaps after seeing the press conference it's a little bit more of why especially considering whenever i i think a lot of cardinals fans have even talked about how it's a very different type of where you get a very different type of tone from what you saw with steve wilkes a different type of tone from what you got with bruce arians but there is something at least still about with the the presence at least that cliff has had with whether it's the voice or whether it seems to be the presence where it feels very similar to, yes, I, I've been there before. Here's kind of that commandingness that's part of it. But there's also an area of, I guess you could say, maybe relatability to it. And maybe it's, you can overanalyze as far as with the voice or the perspective. But there's something that when you talk about with when a guy interviews and is a certain way that it comes off versus guys who, when you talk to them and can see, uh, players will be able to see whether it's the interview or the buy-in. A lot of times that's going to be that who it's the guy who he is because he's talking publicly. When you've got a spot where you can be able to have that type of presence and be able to bring about a culture change, I think that was one of the biggest reasons why the Cardinals were making sure that they went after Cliff Kingsbury first. And they were kind of the team uh, that wanted to be, hey, we want to make sure we get in front of him first. So that's one of the biggest positives that I'd see for the Cardinals overall, at least, is you're not having to have the, the memes that are being created about Cliff Kingsbury are the memes that are like showing him next to like, you know, these college co-eds and Josh Rosen in the hot tub, at least, as far as like, oh, hey, look who they got a young guy here versus memes about, you know, a, a head coach whose eyes are glancing around following a taco or something on plays. It's just, it's, it's, a, I don't, I don't know I mean, if he's going to be able to live that, that press conference down. Well, like he I, said he hasn't I, seen it. He said he hasn't seen it because he doesn't have social media as a film grinder. And some people are like, that's just kind of weird. But I'm like, that, that's how a lot of football guys are. Like, they probably don't have. Yeah. Yeah, Lee. So it might be, hey, just, you know, it's going to be something that the players would joke about with him. And if, if he gets a good sense of humor, he can turn it into kind of a positive. So I wish him some of the best, at least for the Jets, especially with how you know, a lot of those fans have been kind of in a similar situation to the Cardinals overall, but let's go ahead and break down some of the other guys, because so far as we've even talked about, we haven't even gotten to the rest of the staff. A lot of the guys who are joining right now, DB's coach, Marcus Robertson is joining the staff. He was under Vance Joseph in a very similar role, I believe he was the DB's coach. Um, Greg Williams, not the Greg Williams, who's joining the Jets with the two G's, the one G Greg Williams has been joining them today in a similar role with the DB's. You also have Don Johnson uh, is now, I believe, gone. They need a new defensive line coach. Um, but the linebackers coach is an old familiar name. You even groaned when you saw the name. Billy Davis is back as a Cardinals coach. <laughs> as linebackers coming back from coaching um, the linebackers at Ohio State. And, John, this is kind of an interesting move overall. This kind of fleshes out the defensive side until they find their D-line coach. But your thoughts on Billy Davis overall coming back to the Valley? Uh, it's okay. Uh, I, I'm glad he's not coming back as defensive coordinator. Look, he had 
I don't want to say a successful run as a as a coordinator post Cardinals, but he was okay. Uh, it's just kind of weird. It's weird that he's back in a different role um, because those defenses under him per- performed so so poorly. Um, and that was really the only time up until the Steve Wilkes era where the Cardinals had statistically a, p- a poor defense. They've been fortunate to have a, a quality defense on the field. Um, I think, you know, Clancy Pendergast got fired, but that defense played really well during the Super Bowl run. And then, of course, you know, Clancy gets fired, and then you bring in Bill Davis, and he oversaw a defense that got lit up by Aaron Rodgers in that playoff game. And, I mean, you know, there's no shame in that, but at the same time, they, they had a lot of trouble stopping people. But then, of course, he, after taking that position, goes and, has one year as a linebacker coach in Cleveland, parlays that in a defensive coordinator job with the Eagles with uh-huh. Chip Kelly for, for three seasons. I mean, he was the defensive coordinator in Philadelphia for three seasons on a, on a playoff team. Todd Bowles took over after I believe he'd been fired, if I remember yeah. correctly. It's, it's funny how that works out. Uh, right. Well, now, right, before, right after um, it was Ray Horton who took over after Billy Davis was fired, and Ray Horton got a lot of production out of that Cardinal defense, so much so that everybody wanted to keep Ray Horton and then he and Kime didn't see eye to eye. He was let go. Todd Bowles came in, kept it humming. Bruce James ben. really lucked out also. I imagine if yeah, Bruce Arians had forced to be stuck with uh, Ray Horton, who I think Ray Horton is, where is he even at in the NFL? I know a lot, he's bounced around a lot, but he has not been a defensive coordinator since he was with the Arizona. He was great. Ray he was great. Ray, Ray, not to get off on a, on a tangent here, but during mm-hmm. Kaepernick and Russell Wilson's heyday in those years where they were contending for Super Bowls, there was a game late in the season of Ray's first year against San Francisco at home, and they put a whooping on Colin Kaepernick. And it was, a, I think that the Cardinals beat the Niners with John Skelton that game because yep, Ray Ward's that defense one, yeah. was so good. Um, and so the Cardinals have had good defensive co- coordinators for. I mean, James Betcher I thought was was pretty good, solid. I mean, they did they were still top six unit. Um, they weren't as good as what they were with Todd and they met, they never may, may never will be again. But, mm-hmm. um, back to Billy Davis, you know, he leaves, gets fired when Chip Kelly loses his job, um, goes to Ohio state, sits out a year in 2016, goes to Ohio state mm-hmm. and the linebacker coach of Ohio state for the past two years. And everybody's trying to connect the dots. Now, of course he coached Nick Bosa these, these past two years at outside Not linebacker back position, but yeah. you know, defensive end hybrid pass rusher and all that good stuff yeah know the players and the people who are there yeah, obviously. He, he he's familiar i mean like you don't, you don't need billy davis to come in and tell you that nick bosa is, a, is an elite prospect so i mean like everybody who's who's pointing that out that's awesome that's cool that's kind of a cool easter egg but like we've got tape of nick bosa just kicking the you know what out of everybody like he can play regardless of what billy davis tells you so it's fine i mean like He's not the defensive coordinator, thank goodness. Vance Joseph is calling that defense that is Vance Joseph's baby. Uh, they're they're going to perform well or not because of Vance Joseph. And I believe they're going to perform well because they have too much talent on the defensive side to be as poor as they were this year. Think about it. They were terrible from our eyes, from our perspective this year. And I think they were still like 21st defensively. Yeah. And that was with just changing schemes and nobody had a role outside of a couple players and the linebacking situation was terrible and they were so bad against they, they they've been great against the run for the past 10 years and then all of a sudden couldn't stop anybody i think vance joseph will quickly i'll make a prediction now the cardinals next year will have a top 
15 defense in the NFL. I know that's not saying much. I, I, I'm confident. I, yeah, I will, we're not going top 10 here. We're not gambling. Yeah. I would even, I think they could probably go as high as top 12 as well. I yeah, would that's, that's fair. You're getting another defensive lineman. You're assuming at some point, unless you're deciding to just give up on, you know, the top five to 10 picks. In the, in this well, I think we're pretty certain their first pick in the draft, whether it's for one, four, six, seven, probably going to be a defensive player most likely that seems to be the case at least but yeah let's go ahead and also move on to talk about uh, one of the biggest retentions that the cardinals did have Uh, so far i think the only guy from their coaching staff who that we know is a holdover but that's special teams coach jeff rogers is staying with the cardinals great great special teams coach that they've had this year college up Bears and the Cardinals ended the season. They were ranked, I believe, with football outsiders as the 11th ranked special teams. Make a field goal or two. You know, we moved over to with the kickers. They had a, another miss, I believe, from end of the stretch. And they got Farrell Cooper in late to kind of make up for some of the poor play. But you almost had a top 10 special team unit, which is ironic considering that the Cardinals, you know, went from and 2016 having a top 10 defense, a top 10 offense, a 32nd ranked special teams unit to special teams unit was the only good unit on the field that they had this year with uh, the should have been obviously pro bowl or even all pro punter that they had with Andy Lee, um, a great return game. And then at least got pretty consistent kicking by the end of the year. It wasn't like you were, you know, I believe when you're looking at the Packers game, you had the young kicker MO came out, hit the field goal that he needed to hit to be able to carry on. So that was one of the biggest things as far as retaining him that I think was you didn't have to start from scratch as far as a special teams unit or finding another guy. It was simple. Keep the guy. You did a good job. Let's keep this whole rolling. Um, That was one of my favorites. Now let's move on to the offensive side. We'll talk about the offensive coordinator or lack thereof so far, but just the names that they have so far outside of keeping Steve Hyden as the tight ends coach, uh, we talked to know about David Rye or David Rye coming over from the Packers as the wide receivers coach to work with Cliff. He's a good, big fan of him. The names that they had were kind of almost stunning from a lot of people. You had Sean Kugler was the big name as the offensive line coach coming over from the Broncos. Another four or five teams were seeking after him. Along with Brian Natkin as kind of the assistant O-line coach. Who some had talked about how the, the team he was working at was probably going to have to promote him. Otherwise, they were going to end up losing him. You also looked at and see James Saxon, who's been for 15 years, I believe, or 17 years, I should say, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. 15 of those 17 years, they've had a Pro Bowl running back on their team. Those are kind of two home run type of coordinators that you're able to bring onto your staff. So John, I, I was at least thrilled, not just to be able to get a guy like Kugler, but to be able to kind of not get the guy that you were hoping to bring back with stump Mitchell for David Johnson, but you end up getting the next best guy as someone who every single year, one of those Pittsburgh Steelers running back seems to have an issue or go down. Another guy takes his place, just like we saw with James Conner this year and their pro bowl running back. So talk about your thoughts on the hires that you saw here with Kugler and Saxon. I think it, like you mentioned, Blake, two home run hires. Uh, it strengthens what's, I think, already going to be on paper. I think it's already strengthening what's going to be a very, very strong offensive um, coaching staff. Um, you, you can question, you know, Kingsbury all you want. The guy knows offense. And now you add a savant on the offensive line like Sean Kugler. You need talent. That's, I mean, that, that cannot be understated. You got to yeah. get this guy quality bodies but he will do a good job. And I think Bruce Arians and their staff did a good job of coaching up guys on the offensive line and making them better than they actually are, making them competent, making, you know, backups or practice squad guys competent where you comfortable with them starting a game, right? You don't think Mason Cole's pretty excited about this. You're out of your mind because I think he's the one who benefits the most because I think he's the one who 
it's probably assured a spot on the interior offensive line next year. You know, DJ Humphreys is, is a huge question mark right now. Justin Pugh's coming off an injury. His contract's too big. He's probably secure, but that's about it on the offensive line. You've got some young guys like Corey Cunningham that you're excited about, yep. but you just don't know. I think you got to flood that position and let Sean um, and let Cliff go to work on those guys and whittle it down to the best five, the most athletic, consistent, durable. I can't understate that right. enough, overstate that enough, durable guys they can. And you think about the Broncos offensive line, which was kind of unheralded over these past few years, but you know, the consistency that they churn out with guys like Philip Lindsay this year, undrafted, who was phenomenal, rushed for over a thousand yards, could have been the rookie of the year had it not been, you know, so strong. And, and Baker, I mean, he uh, coming out of nowhere, undrafted first undrafted player in his first year to ever make a pro bowl. You don't think that Bronco offensive line was, was producing you're out of your mind. And they've got, you know, the likes of Jared Valdir starting at right tackle for him, Blake, yeah. right and left tackle swinging around for them. So he, he had multiple opportunities. I mean, the Cardinals and Steve Kime say what you want are doing a nice job of stiff arming the competition for lack of a better term. And, yep, and they gave time to get the hires, but they're, they're competing with teams. It's not like they're the first team to like, Oh, that's hey, right. It's that they're having a couple interviews and they're picking Arizona. So whatever is happening with Kime and Bidwell, maybe it's some of it is the Steve Kime. I know we talked last year. Our joke was desperation. Kime was kind of our joke about getting a quarterback. This is also Steve Kime saying, he he desperation, man. Oh yeah. And you got to get this ship rated all of that one too. And he's kind of making a use of it. So give him credit at least where to do right now. They're putting together a staff and kind of saying to a lot of doubters, they said that Cliff wasn't going to be able to put together a staff. He's really, they are, they are dominating the New York jets right now. The New York jets wanted Kingsbury. They wanted Vance Joseph and they wanted Kugler and they went all for three and the Cardinals got all three. Kugler was also in demand. According to Ian Rappaport of NFL network, the bills wanted him bills fired their old line coach. They wanted him. Bruce Arians, the Buccaneers wanted him. The Browns, who have, Browns have a great offensive line. He could have gone there and elevated that unit with with guys like Mitchell. Yeah, they got great offensive linemen, and he chose the Cardinals, who by far of all the teams have the worst offensive line. That's a testament to Steve Kime. That's a st- testament to Michael Bidwell, and I think that is um, a vote of confidence for Cliff Kingsbury. Um, yep. They're going to be patient with this group of coaches. These guys know they have some security. And they know, I think, the, I think you can't understate enough, Blake, overstate enough, that these coaches know how poorly this unit was last year, offensively, top to bottom, and there's nowhere to go but up. And you come in there like, you know, a hero and basically say, I can turn this unit around from worst. If you can get it to, you know, 20th overall in the NFL, it's a huge accomplishment. That's huge for the first year. The, to me, that's the biggest hire. I'm excited about the transition with the running backs coach. You, you, you hit it on the head, what they've been able to do offensively. I think part of that is because they draft well. They've got, unlike the Cardinals, um, a very, very elite, close to elite offensive line. And mm-hmm. so, but I, it's a savvy move by Kime. Stump Mitchell would have been great, but this is the next best thing. Um, and really, Blake, all that's left is who is going to be the default coordinator, quarterbacks coach of this team as we transition into that, I have to pour one out because man, oh man, after last week's podcast, when my top choice was John D. Filippo and the Cardinals interviewed him like three days later, 
I was losing my you-know-what because I could not stop thinking about a uh, quarterback's room that consisted of Cliff Kingsbury, John DiFilippo, and Josh Rosen. And I, I just was like, sign, sign us up for the Super Bowl tomorrow. I, I was so excited about that. And, of course, that's ridiculous to say. And then he goes out and is going to join the Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe, because he has the opportunity to call plays. Coordinators, yeah, I with that. Yep. coordinators know they come to Arizona – they're not going to be able to call plays. And I think that that's why the Cardinals have not chosen an offensive coordinator yet because they have to get the right individual to buy in. And they, again, you, DiFilippo probably looks at that situation in Jacksonville and is like, I, they can't get any worse. They're probably going to have a rookie quarterback for me to work with. I could be essentially the interim coach if, if um, Doug Marone is fired. You know, DiFilippo, who a lot of people think is a, a future head coach, even after what happened in Minnesota, low expectations yep. there. Um, I, I think that, you know, Cardinals interviewed Jim Bob Cooter. You know, I, I wouldn't be thrilled with that hire. But at the same time, he produced Matthew Stafford's best years of his career up until Matt Patricia came in and kind of lit the whole thing on fire. Yeah. But you know, I've, got a, I've got a source or a close friend in tap with the Lions, and he speaks highly of Cooter and would does think he'll bounce back and thinks that he was – um, a victim of poor personality. Think about how many guys got hurt on that Lions team last year. They lost Golden Tate to, to injury. Marvin Jones went on IR. Kerwin, or Kerryon, um, Kerryon Williams, I believe, is his last name. Uh, Kerryon Johnson. Yeah, Kerryon Johnson. Oh my gosh, he uh, was on IR. Yeah, they had talent. When they had talent offensively, they put up points. But like, I'd like to get your opinion on on where the Cardinals turn now because. Could they be waiting for one of these coaches in the postseason to be done? Or is it, are they having a tough time because everybody knows King, it's Kingsbury's show and are the Cardinals better off kind of promoting from within like the, the Rams do and some of these other teams where they, they create their own coordinators, right? Andy Reid created Matt Nagy and created ben and 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 some of these guys. What do you think the Cardinals should do next? Yeah, well, I think the one step that I have at least is already seeming to be accomplished, and that would be that the Cardinals are interviewing have interviewed um, former Packers offense coordinator Tom Clements. He seems to be kind of the default backup option because he's a guy who he's a lot older. He's up there in age. He is. Uh, let me double check on his age here again here real quick while it loads. But uh, he's up in his sixties for that one. So you're probably talking about a guy he was out of football at least the last year or two. He's a longtime guy who really helped ultimately when Aaron Rodgers took over for Brett Favre was one of the guys who really ultimately you can say, hey, he did a heck of a lot in his, I believe, Super Bowl season. He was the offensive coordinator in maybe the best season that they had there. And uh, he's a guy who I don't think is going to be their choice as far as the OC. Uh, you know, at 65 years old, it's not like it's going to be a guy who – obviously is going to be with cliff he could be there for a couple years if that's the case but he's not going to be there for the long haul he's also not going to be a guy who's going to leave in another year or two obviously for a head coaching opportunity um but you're talking about a person who has known and seen it all he's been you know in the nfl at least since uh, 2006 as a coach but he's followed with football ever since the 1970s as a player um i think that he's a guy who would be more of that tom moore 
maybe not assistant head coach to probably give that to Vance, but maybe that type of a mentoring model to be able to say, hey, you're using this type of an offense. Cool. When we run a wishbone formation years ago, it looked like this, being able to kind of mesh these old school and new school concepts. And just be able to have the history of the league. I know that was something I had talked about as far as the positive of bringing in, you know, a former, ironically enough, another <laughs> Green Bay Packers guy in Dom Capers as far as that type of a mentorship for Cliff who wasn't going to leave anytime soon. That would be this type of a guy. I think what they're looking at right now is if they haven't hired yet from the Jim Bob Kudu, they haven't hired yet for a guy who they already interviewed. I think that it is going to be one of these players who, or one of these coaches, I should say, on these teams that are still playing. And what I'd be curious is I would look at the Andy Reid tree because he lets guys leave all the time for other head coaching opportunities. I'd hope that they would look at Mike Kafka, who's the quarterback's coach right now for Andy Reid. Some people think he might be a real gem on that staff, just saying, hey, come on in as our offensive coordinator slash quarterback's coach, work with Josh Rosen. I don't know if they would be able to, I think they'd be able to block it. He's in his second year after 2017. Sometimes those are three-year deals. We'll see. The Chiefs, under Andy Reid, have had a lot of guys who've left for other opportunities. Andy seems to kind of let guys go as they may, knowing that he's got another guy waiting in the wings in that pipeline. I would say that would be kind of one guy to look at. Otherwise, you could take a look at the uh, the Saints, at least, I believe, also have some other offensive minds. Um, the Rams would be a fascinating one if you could poach someone, because I know that McVay and Cliff have been close, but I don't know if you would poach someone from that staff or if they'd let you, especially considering that they just lost their current offensive coordinator. If you went and tried to steal, you know, their quarterbacks coach as well, um, that might be a little bit more difficult to do. But I would at least think that if they haven't made the hire yet, I think that on one hand, they were waiting for Filippo to make his decision. And I'm not too concerned about losing him. Like, like you said, he's a guy who I think was given a, 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 a tough shaft because he was a guy who didn't run the football a whole lot in Minnesota, but because of the way the NFL is now with how much he was throwing it, the runs were incredibly effective when they did hand the ball off. Uh, and I think that it may have come down to, I even tweeted something out like this. It may have come down to the fact that the head coach of the Vikings may have just said, hey, well, I'm a defensive guy. We want to control the clock. We need to run the football here. You look at an analytics guy coming out of Philly like Dee Felipe said, hey, look, I'm not running you know, into a nine-man box. We're not going to gain positive plays, positive yardage from that. They still weren't the best constructed offensive line. The team still has Kirk Cousins at quarterback. It may have just been that he was a side product of a lot of other problems and issues, and we'll be able to learn from this next year when we see how the Vikings recover uh, or if they'll recover. But I do think that I'd agree with you is that either if you're going to come to Arizona here, maybe you get a head coaching job or opportunity. But if you go to Jacksonville, you get a lot more control. You get to effectively manage the offense. I think that is really what Flip wanted. He's reached that level where he is a pretty highly sought after guy, even still, or at least highly thought of. And if he can turn things around in Jacksonville with, you know, they may have just said, hey, we want you to be the guy here. We're going to go out and get another quarterback to bring in. Even if it's Nick Foles, they're able to bring in now from, from the Philadelphia Eagles and get a compensatory pick with the Eagles letting him walk, getting that guy who's most familiar with who helped him on that Super Bowl run. I think that basically is enough for him to be able to say, hey, you know what? Arizona's great, but I'm not going to really be able to spend more than a year here because I need to go somewhere else. He can go to Jacksonville. He can control as many years as he needs to before trying to leave for that head coaching opportunity. Uh, John, what would you be looking for as far as coaches for the Cardinals? Really, the only name that I've had for the most part has been Kafka is the guy I'd love to go after if they could get. But who would you like to see them target if you have any names specifically or maybe a model? Yeah, it's tough, Blake. You know, um, you think about a lot of the primary targets of some of these teams are guys who would like to call plays, like I mentioned 
Um, and then, so you look around the league and it's like, well, who are some of the strong, strong position coaches in the league that could come in and elevate? Cause really what you're looking at is if you pick somebody and that, um, coaches, let's say wide receivers, then you would assume that if he comes in as your default OC, your receiving core is going to be that much better. Right. And the same sense, um, offensive line, I wouldn't hate, um, you know, going that route and hiring a former offensive line coach, um, to be your next, uh, I guess, uh, offensive coordinator, because then you get double the help. And that's kind of what Bruce Arians did when he was here. Um, but again, how many offensive line coaches are going to leave their job to come here and kind of be the default OC, but not really, um, Ken Zampsby, um, is somebody I think I, I, might take a look at he's a bit of a long shot to become the Vikings new offensive coordinator. Uh, he's been an assistant in the NFL, I think since 1998 and has an expertise at the quarterback position. Um, and when Mike Zimmer was the defensive coordinator for the Bengals, Zamsky was the team's quarterback coach. And so he's bounced around. Uh, and I think he was, or is being considered for the Vikings OC job. I'm, I'm not sure if that decision has been made yet. Um, you know, Jim Bob Cooter to me, you know, at the end of the day, he knows quarterbacks, right? I think there's just, there's just too much off the field baggage. If you, if you didn't know Jim Bob Cooter's backstory, he was intoxicated one night and broke into somebody's house. Like incidentally, I don't know if he was looking to take anything like burglary or anything like that, but I'm like, He's in the NFL now. He's coaching, but he has like a legitimate felony on his record. And mm-hmm. I think that that and his name were kind of the, the butt of a lot of jokes in Detroit. Then the team started scoring a ton of points right up until this year. And Stafford was lighting it up and they were a playoff team. And everybody's like, oh, you know what? Maybe this guy can coach a little bit. Um, but how much of that was, again, Jim Caldwell, who, you know, say what you want about Jim Caldwell. He's a competent NFL coach, especially on the offensive side. Yeah. Yeah. Or was that, you know, Jim Bob Cooter? I mean, like somebody like Shane Waldron, who's the Rams passing game coordinator. I mean, has he been hired out out of LA yet? Or is that somebody who's going to be blocked by Sean McVay, especially if you go to a division rival? I think that that to me would be somebody like, okay, you know, he can coach offense. He's been with Sean McVay again. How many times are we going to beat that dead horse? But he's also been in your division, knows your division, uh, is only 39 years old. Um, and I think he's got tight end experience from, I think, uh, he was a tight end coach with the Patriots. It's a position the Cardinals could use some help at. I think he was an offensive quality control coach with the Redskins and Kirk cousins when he had his big year. Uh, he's a coach. I think he, Zach Taylor gets a lot of the love and who knows this guy could be promoted to OC probably will be promoted to OC because Zach Taylor's you know, getting a job with Cincinnati, I believe. But like, if you're not interviewing guys like this, um, you know, I wonder what you're doing. A lot of names haven't come out yet, Blake. And it's, it's interesting because it's like, wh- what else are they waiting for? Because you can interview assistants or can you not interview assistants at this yeah, point? Yeah. Have you, have you missed that window? Also, Agreed. interestingly enough, the Cardinals did pass on a Daryl devil. They did end up kind of, you know, he was interviewing, he was interviewed last year for the offensive coordinator spot. They instead went with Mike McCoy. I still think that Bevel is a guy who is maybe in some cases held back in some spots. Like he, he did a heck of a job for a lot of stuff with Russell Wilson. Also, Russell Wilson is a lot of responsible for that. But it's fascinating that the Cardinals yeah. this 
around for whatever reason they seem to have passed on bevel uh let's wrap up with some of the the coaching talk at least i know we've had with about with cliff and with all these additions with the oc and everything that they've had um one of the things I didn't want to point out, at least that was interesting, I had to kind of go back to see some of the different tweets from Justice Mosqueda. When Cliff Kingsbury was hired, it was talking about, here's the biggest reason why I don't think that people should count out the Cardinals, at least for next year, or at least with Cliff, is you talk about how difficult it is when you look at defense at the NFL level versus the collegiate level. Because the NFL, we had to see the Cardinals basically bottom out to have a bad NFL defense. They had to go from, you know, a top 10 run defense team to the 32nd against the run because they basically had to bottom out for that one. We're talking about the talent level in the NFL. It just came down to they got outcoached, outschemed, guys got blown up for that one. That's what it took to have a bad defense. The Cardinals didn't have a lack of talent. In the Big 12 where you're having to recruit to Lubbock, you basically are going to struggle to find a baseline defense, which is the biggest problem that Cliff Kingsbury had was he just didn't have that in the NFL. You've got a salary cap, which basically the Cardinals have cap room. It's not like the Patriots. You are like in Alabama. That's just getting everyone every single year. You've got free agents and you get compensatory picks too. So in other words, even if you do lose a guy like Calais Campbell, you get a compensatory pick the next year. Cliff should find it much, much easier to be able to have a solid defense to be able to help him out. So he's just able to work with the quarterback and innovate. And the fact, that they've now added a guy like Vance Joseph who's done it before and runs a very friendly scheme for the Cardinals. I think that it's not going to be as much of a you know turnaround, not going to be the person who's going to predict that this is going to be like you know the 2017 Rams. But I think playoff team coming, Blake. I don't know if I can say it because we need to see a lot of the things first because, you know, I just think it's got a lot better of a chance to be successful, especially considering the direction of the NFC West. A lot of people were just going after the Seahawks saying, look, you guys, you ran the ball so much against a good run defensive team. At least you got Russell Wilson back there throwing it. And then you look at the Rams the next week, just run the ball down the same Dallas Cowboys throw. And you're just like, okay, well maybe it's less coming down to, the coaching and more just about this is where it is. The, the Rams, uh, the, the scheme, the scheme that Sean McVay put together on that offensive line. Planning, huge hole. Everything, if you don't think hole, that's coaching, dominating coaching. Oh yeah. And it just shows that the Seahawks, it wasn't even that they didn't run the ball. And some people like oh, the week before say, Oh, look at this is terrible. Seahawks are just running it too much. They have Russell Wilson should be throwing it next week. Sean McVay runs it down their throat. There is a disparity right now in the NFC West between you're looking at the talent gap between what the Rams have and Seattle has, has been, you know, further Arizona was the one that's closest. The talent drop off, obviously to San Francisco is huge, but you still got to see the Cardinals were neck and neck in both of their games against the Niners, despite the fact that they were, you know, the two worst teams in the NFL this year but because the Niners had that advanced play caller they were able to make up for a lot of stuff by having a completely dominant run game and they struggled at the quarterback position because Jimmy Garoppolo was out for the year and it took them having to kind of find and develop a rookie in Nick Mullins still struggled to win games but they were at least competitive and in the games I think that it's going to be a good chance for the Cardinals to turn this around pretty quickly especially considering the amount of talent that they already have all right John uh, let, let's close up at least for to the podcast here uh, let's talk a little bit just about what we're expecting from these championship games. Like, what are you expecting to see from the Saints versus the Rams and from the Chiefs versus the Patriots? Let's start with the NFC because I think a lot of people are expecting fireworks. It's going to be in New Orleans. Um, Saints struggled against Philly's defense last year. You're going to be playing a, a defense that maybe not as tough as the Rams, but it's going to be interesting. Who do you have so far that you're picking in this game? Is it going to be Breeze or is it going to be the McVay-Goff experience for you? Man, it's it's hard for any team to go into the Superdome and get a win, but I, I think the Rams are going to pull it off. If you watched that game last week against the Dallas Cowboys, the dominance that the Rams had on both sides 
of the line of scrimmage. Their offensive line was as dominant as I've ever seen it. And then the defensive line, you've got Aaron Donald, but look who showed up last week and is, is super motivated is, was Ndamukong Sue, who destroyed Dallas's you know, pristine offensive line. He's motivated now for a championship because it's, mm-hmm. it's time to put up or shut up. And so, again, I, I think the Saints are going to play better. I think they're going to be motivated by you know the, the hearsay that they probably should have lost to Philadelphia last week. But this Saints team has become kind of a run-oriented team over the last, yeah. what, four to six weeks. They're not that high flying offense. It's really Mike Williams is their offensive, you know, skill player in the passing game. They really don't have a great number two receiver. And then it's Kamara and Ingram out of the backfield. Breeze has been good. He hasn't been his MVP like self from September, October. Last couple of weeks has been interesting. And Patrick Mahomes kind of locked up the MVP in my opinion, at least the last few weeks, just because you're saying Breeze didn't play as well. Maybe teams just started rocketing Thomas, or maybe there was a little bit of a fall off. It was just interesting. I know that the offensive lineman, I believe it's Andrews Pete broke his hand in the game and they've had some Mm -hmm. issues at left tackle because they left tackle went out. So maybe it just comes down to just didn't have as much protection as usual. But the last game that they played with these two teams was a 45 to 35 game in which the breeze just kind of just went after the Rams defense. As long as they were able to protect up front, you look at Max Unger, the guy that they got, at least I believe it gave to Seattle has been replaced with a still strong center on the offensive line. And I think that this is a game where we'll see if there's going to be fireworks. I agree with you. When you look at how last few years went, whenever a team struggled and kind of won in the fourth quarter, the week before, and they went and yeah, exactly. Cardinals Cardinals are the best example of that. They went and struggled and beat the Packers, you know, in overtime, get blown out the next week by the Panthers. Uh, then you see the previous season, you look at the Minnesota Vikings, they had this miracle win over the, uh, the saints and themselves going to get blown up by the Eagles the next week. Now, the one thing I will agree with you that is probably why that won't happen is because each of those teams then had to go on the road the following Correct. week to play one seed saying to the number one seed they're the ones at home i think this is going to be a close game that'll come down yeah. to the white it would not shock me if it does turn into a one-sided where the rams are able to run all over just because of the uh, i believe sheldon rankings is now out for the saints it would not shock me if the rams yeah. are able to run with that game so really it's going to come down to are the saints going to be able to run the ball on this rams defense with aaron donald and a motivated dinamican suit because if they can then i think the saints are going to be able to win it, it's really going to come down to who's going to be able to run the ball better because i think what's going to happen is is you're going to see these defenses where if either side can run the ball they'll be able to start slinging it all over the place i would give the advantage at least to the rams even with michael thomas yeah uh, agreed being on the other side so I, I i think i'm going to lean toward the rams here but it wouldn't shock me if this is a game where the saints with the experience and everything ends up coming down to the wire i've got this game as kind of a push i lean toward the rams after the performance and that blowout from last week uh i think that they've gotten something in cj anderson and todd Gurley, uh, and breeze on the saints have you know struggled the past few weeks the eagles team is not of a great secondary and they still struggle and had to kind of score late in the 20th and breeze did not look all that well in the game against the eagles so i've got the i've got the the rams winning this one wouldn't shock me if the saints are able to pull it out at home but i've got the rams in this game Let's talk now about the probably my favorite matchup maybe of the year. The first time it was just this incredible, you know, first time Mahomes has struggled and then had this incredible comeback. Let's talk Patriots and Chiefs because this is going to be perhaps one of the biggest matchups. It's going to be high scoring, obviously, you know, no matter what. It's not going to be a defensive struggle. Who do you have in this game? Is it going to be Tom Brady going back to the Super Bowl? Or do you think that Mahomes can kind of maybe not pull the upset? This is the, this is the first time that they're favored, honestly, at least. The Chiefs are the favored team at home in Arrowhead. Who do you have in the AFC game right now, John? 
Can I just go on record before I give my prediction that Patrick Mahomes was my favorite player in the past probably five drafts, and I wanted the Cardinals to draft him with every fiber of my being. Yeah. I didn't know he'd be this good, but I know that I knew that he would. He had an opportunity to be a quality NFL starter, and it pains me to watch him. Or a high, high level guy, high level yeah. guy. Yeah, I, it pains me to watch him destroy the entire NFL and and leave a body in his you know leave bodies in his wake of his destruction. But here's what I'll say. I think that because it's at home, I like Kansas City slightly. I like Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes is a winner. He's a big-time player. The Chiefs had a huge postseason drought, especially at home. They've lost, they had lost consecutive home playoff games dating back, I think it was like 92 with Joe Montana, something ridiculous. When Joe Montana went and played for the, the Chiefs and won a playoff game, it had been that long since they had won a home playoff game. And he comes in there last week and cool, calm, and collected. I know the stats didn't indicate it because they had a bunch of rushing touchdowns, but he played exceptionally well against the Colts team that was super hot. Now he gets to play a Patriots team that I think on paper is not as good as they have been in years prior. And I think so highly of Kansas City's skilled players offensively. And now Kansas City's bookends defensively. Justin Houston is back. D Ford, who's making himself a ton of money, is about to be a free agent, dominating on the other side as an outside linebacker. And then Blake, our boy Chris Jones, who we wanted the Cardinals to draft instead of Robert Kimbichi, is a Pro Bowl level defensive tackle who is capable of getting after the quarterback on any given play. Yes, the, the back seven worries me for Kansas City. Their inside linebackers, their safeties, their corners aren't great. Eric Berry is not what he once was. Um, and I think Brady will exploit that. But I, I just think with with Cheetah, with Tyreek Hill, with Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins is your underneath possession receiver, the offensive line, Damian Williams, who is who has not missed a beat filling in for Kareem Hunt, and then the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. I think he is going to outlast Brady in the cold, something to the effect of 32 to 28, something crazy like that, uh, where Mahomes seals it late with a long pass and a field goal. I think that's very possible. I think that for me, my biggest thing that I, I come down to that I go back to is the same thing that happened last time was the Patriots eventually kind of found a way to slow Mahomes. He came out and they weren't able to stop him. For me, Chiefs defense they've picked up late as far as making big plays I think it's going to come down to one or two big plays whether that's Chris Jones or Houston making a big play on Tom Brady similar to last year's Super Bowl with the sack um, but my biggest concern and probably why I'm leaning toward the Patriots in this one is it comes down to the same thing of the Andy Reid and clock management just has never been there even when you look at the 40 to 43 win the Patriots had Mahomes scored a touchdown, tied up the game, left too much time on the clock for Tom Brady. They went down and scored and kicked a field goal and ended the game. And because the Chiefs defense is pretty susceptible on the back end overall, at least because of the dink and dunk with the tackles and everything, even though Gronk isn't fully, you know, the pass catcher that we're expecting him to be, even though Josh Gordon's not playing, I still think that it is going to come down to one of those situational type areas. Um, my hope, at least honestly, is that the Chiefs defense be able to step up, make another turnover or so, and make it where the Patriots are having to play catch up. But right now for me with coaching, I'll just go ahead and I'll take Belichick for that one because of that's what the case is. But if it does get down to a spot where they can manage the game and Mahomes is the last one who's got the ball in his hands, I think that that is going to be a, a game winner, at least for the Chiefs would be heading to the Super Bowl. Uh, but again, these teams scored, you know, a total of 72 points uh, in their last games against, you know, these division rivals and the Chiefs and the Chargers who have 
good defenses. The uh, Mahomes even had a 27 points that they were able to put up on the Ravens' number one ranked defense this year. This is going to be a fireworks explosion, and I, for one, can't wait to see it. All right, that'll wrap up at least for us today with this podcast here. Uh, let's go ahead and let the listeners know where you are, John, on Twitter. Yeah, I'm at Johnny's Football, J-O-H-N-N-Y-S, football, come and talk with us. We love interacting with with fans uh, about the podcast. We love the feedback that we're getting. Thank you so much for those of you who submit questions every week that, that tune in. Uh, Blake, I think you told me our podcast a couple weeks ago with Benjamin Albright had over 600 hits yep. and listens, which, which is fantastic. We're going to try. Blake does a great job scheduling the guests. We're going to try to get more personalities like that on in the off season we're going to do you know combine specials free agency specials obviously we do a lot of coverage around the draft but just thank you so much everybody who's supportive of the podcast it means more to us than you know blake where can they find your content yeah you can find me at uh at blake murphy seven on twitter and then on revenge of the birds i still have not like it's been a, a busy kind of last week or so at least i've just been kind of getting enough time to schedule podcasts still haven't gotten my kind of full cliff reaction article i've been working on that we'll should be able to get that up at least for you guys early next week and yeah we'll be having i know senior bowls the next a big event we'll have coming up we'll try to work on getting you know some live coverage down there especially looking at some of the players the cardinals might be looking at well one of the guys i know we'll talk about will, will be josh allen a guy who you know, we've started talking a bit more about him seems to be emerging as another one of these blue chip players. And that's what we'll be looking at next episode. We'll be talking about the NFL draft. I know people have been waiting for it. The draft talk has already been really, really heating up, especially with Mel Kuyper, you know, dropping kind of the first mock draft of the season. Uh, we'll be getting into that. The Cardinals are at the number one pick this year. And that'll be kind of our highlights. We'll be able to start opening up that cool Pandora's box. But yeah, uh, appreciate you all again for tuning in. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. So listen to podcasts, check it out.